The following Downstage Center program was originally broadcast in July 2007. Welcome to Downstage Center, a presentation of XM Satellite Radio and the American Theatre Wing. I'm John von Susten, Program Director of XM28 on Broadway. And I'm Howard Sherman, Executive Director of the American Theatre Wing. Today we welcome Dory Berenstein. Hi, Dory. Hi, pleasure to be here. Let me just run through a few of your credits. You're a filmmaker and you're a Broadway producer, producer of the current show, Legally Blonde. Some other shows our listeners are certainly familiar with, Thoroughly Modern Millie, The Crucible with Liam Neeson and Laura Linney, About Full Moon with Bill Irwin and David Shiner, which received a special Tony Award. Oh, let me mention Thoroughly Modern Millie, of course, won a Tony also as Best Musical. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, starring Gary Sinise, which also won a Tony Award as Best Revival of a Play. And a movie which is currently running in theaters around the country, which is a terrific behind-the-scenes look at four Broadway shows in their inception, their incarnation in the 2003-2004 season, a movie called Show Business, and it's a documentary. And I guess the best way to describe it is really you had access to just about any place you wanted to go behind the scenes as shows were created and put on stage right up through the Tony Awards. Yeah, the idea behind the film was Mm -hmm. to capture a Broadway season Mm -hmm. and and genius in the works and uh, really be able to follow it all the way through. And it really wasn't until we got in the editing room that we ended up focusing on those four musicals. Well, it basically, it was from workshops, even several years before some of the musicals uh, went to Broadway, musicals like Avenue Q yes. and Wicked and uh, Caroline or Change, and what was the other one? Taboo. Oh, taboo, of course, Taboo. How can I forget that one? And you were excluded from one, The Boy from Oz. You That's really right. wanted to see. Very much so. We really wanted to capture that. Yeah. But, but the producers of these shows and all the creative people gave you tremendous access. Uh, it, it was it's unbelievable the uh, the support that we got from the Broadway community and the Broadway unions and guilds and AFTRA and the American Theatre Wing. Uh, it, it's it, it's extraordinary, and we're so deeply grateful to everybody because it really was a project by the community. You know, it really everyone came together to support this show. But how did you get that access? Those of us who work in the theater know how difficult it is to do sustained filming, taping, recording of shows while they're in rehearsal or in production because there are very careful limits so that work isn't commercialized in ways beyond, frankly, in many cases what the actors are compensated for. What did you manage to do that convinced everybody to give you that access? Well, I think that uh, being part of the community, being a member of the community for over 15 years at that point, uh, I think for starters, everybody knew that I was coming from a place of deep love and respect for the community, for the art of theater, and and that was my starting point. I wanted to do something that uh, celebrated the art form and also brought it out there to the world so that people outside the community, people that don't go to see Broadway shows might get excited about Broadway and theater generally and, you know, hear about this film, even if, if they're, they've never been to a show, go see it and get caught up in the, the magic and the excitement and the passion of our world and turn around and make theater part of their lives. And, and so I think as a starting point, they, they knew that's where I was coming from. I made a presentation to, to a lot of different people in the very beginning and said, this is what I want to do. Uh, it it, the the show the film was inspired by William Goldman's book The Season, so I kind of had a you know a, a, a starting point. That's I wanted to capture a season. I didn't have an agenda. I wasn't looking to to uh, 
in any way malign any show or any producer or any anything about the community. And I really wanted uh, uh, to celebrate theater. Um, and uh, also, our film very much supports and celebrates Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. And I th- think uh, that that had a lot to do with everyone's enthusiasm for getting behind the project because it's such an important uh, uh, part. Broadway Cares is such an important part of our community, and people wanted to support that. But you're making it all sound very easy, and the fact is there must have been enormous logistics, and there must have been moments where people suddenly decided, oh, we might not want her today. So tell us about the process of how much you could look at each show. And, of course, again, as we've already indicated, if you look at the finished film, it seems like you were focused totally on those four musicals. You were obviously everywhere all the time. Yeah. How how did you decide where to be, and were there restrictions on where you could be? Well, we were very careful uh, all the way through on every show, every, everything we were involved in, to follow the union regulations, and we never strayed from that. And I think that there, uh, after a period of time, uh, there was a comfort level that we were not going to mess with that ever, and uh, and that was very helpful. Um, you know, also being part of the community, having relationships with all these folks, uh, they, if a show was in rehearsal and we were there, or they were, they were having a creative moment between a director and a composer, and there was something going on that they didn't want a camera to be at, they would just nod to me and we'd leave. You know, we didn't in any way ever want to interfere with the creative process. We wanted to be a fly on the wall, and we were told over and over again, oh my gosh, I forgot the camera was there. I can't believe I said that, or I can't believe you got me doing that. I completely forgot you were there, which was our objective. And did you shoot stuff then that people asked you not to use? Uh, We were only asked not to use one particular thing, and uh, that turned out to be something that was not in any way relevant to the movie we chose to make. Uh, and, of course, we would have uh, we would not have used that, that moment. Well, you say union rules. What, what kind of restrictions would you have had? There were only, we were only allowed, if we were capturing a performance, mm-hmm. um, uh, a rehearsal, for example, to use a certain period of time. You can only shoot for... A, a certain few, number of minutes. Yes, yeah, a certain number of minutes, and then we'd turn off the camera. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we were there also to capture... Uh, discussions between the director and the cast or, you know, other things that that didn't have those kinds of parameters on. But, you know, for anything that there were very clear parameters, we lived by those rules. Well, the four shows that you primarily focused on all were Tony-nominated, as it turned out. Of course, you didn't know that a year or so in advance. So did you have to cover virtually every show that opened on Broadway during the 2003-2004 season? Uh, Yes. (laughs) We had no idea what Uh the season was going to be like. You know, when you think about it, when we were in uh, pre-production uh, for the film, Carolina Change was only going to be at the public theater. Nobody was talking about a transfer. Avenue Q, they were there were rumblings that it might transfer to Broadway, but nobody really believed that was going to happen. Of course, Wicked was on the charts and, and Taboo was coming in, but we were also focused on other shows that never came in, mm-hmm. like Bounce. You know, the, so you just. Who knew what was what the season was going to bring? And because the objective was really to capture a Broadway season behind the curtain, we just had to dive in and capture the season and see where it took us. Well, then the shows that did actually open, 
uh, maybe some of them closed very quickly, but the ones that did open, did you then have to film every one of those and do the same sort of intensive work as you did for the four that you used? So, Because you d- didn't know if they would be nominated or not. We really, we never necessarily... We didn't know if we were going to take it through the Tonys. We didn't know exactly what uh-huh. was going to evolve and what stories were going to unfold and what characters were going to reveal themselves. So we were very open going in. Um, we didn't shoot in such great depth with every show uh, because there just didn't seem to be a story unfolding that was, was uh, what we were looking to do. You know, because, again, it was really about being able to capture genius at work and being a fly on the wall during the creative process. And, and if we were invited into something that was <clears throat> that, that uh, somebody else would be able to get, it wasn't for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we really wanted to get inside. Um, but there are many other shows that we did follow with, to that extent, and it was torture, beyond torture, in the editing room, not to, to celebrate those shows. It was so difficult to exclude them in uh, in the the primary film, and, and that's what's exciting about a DVD because we'll have the opportunity to to go into some greater depth about the the uh, creative process behind some of the revivals, some of the plays well, uh, of the season. Well, it sounds like the show was uh, very much evolving as you as you were working on it, as you were creating it. And originally, uh, one of the associate producers is Alan Cummings, yes. and originally you had I guess envisioned him as a narrator, and then decided to do it more cinema verite. Uh, absolutely. You know, the the idea at the beginning was that Alan was going to take us through the season and, and uh, he would be our guide. And we shot with him all year long and uh, have some wonderful moments with, with Alan, with so many uh, uh, stars from that season and, and just uh, commenting on, on the goings on. And we decided in the editing room uh, that we needed to let the season tell itself and that <clears throat> Alan being part of it was lovely and wonderful, but it, it took you out of getting lost in the storytelling of the season. And so Alan is pretty much on the cutting room floor, <laughs> but he was part of that decision. Well, let me ask about the numbers. How many hours did you shoot altogether? How much footage was out there? Well, it, it's over 250 hours, but that's a little deceptive because, for example, at the Tony Awards, I had uh, 12 crews. So, you know, that's... There was, and that was a long night. So <laughs> we have a lot of footage, but not uh, um, uh, that made it challenging uh, to f- to really narrow it down and, and figure out the story that we wanted to tell. So, what was the process of <laughs> figuring out that story? I mean, obviously, you had all of this footage, all of these things. At what point did you decide to do this focus on on these four musicals? Well, I first of all, I had an amazing editorial team. Richard Hankin, uh, who did Capturing the Freedmen's, the film, uh, and uh, Adam Zucker, who did Broadway the American Musical, were incredible partners in the editing room. Uh, Richard, in particular, because he could care less about Broadway. He did not, in the beginning, have a passion for Broadway. And to me, absolutely everything we shot was precious. And I loved everything. And uh, I needed that uh, uh partner in the editing room that could look at me and say, that's a lovely moment, Dory. That's just fabulous. It does not belong in our movie DVD. And that that happened over and over again. Um, What we were looking to make, as I said earlier, is a film that uh, rose above the theater community. It was not just about theater and, and 
uh, and was not being made specifically for people who are already theater lovers. We wanted to to create something that somebody outside our world would uh, love and get excited about. And so it was very important uh, to focus on storytelling and characters and moments that would um, be about uh, the universal themes of chasing your dreams and putting everything you have on the line for something you believe in more than anything. And that's so much a part of theater and, and what we all do. It is about passion. And uh, so we were looking for characters we could get to know and follow their their adventures during the course of the season that you could care about and be rooting for. And maybe they had extraordinary success and maybe they didn't, but you would emotionally get involved in in their b- belief and their passion and you'd care about them. You didn't have to like theater to, to feel that way. And so that was one of our guiding principles. Uh, in And so it made it easy to narrow down and focus in on Avenue Q, for example, because Jeff uh, Marks and Bobby Lopez coming from uh, out of nowhere to write this wonderful musical. They were interns and temps just a few years before. Everything about the season and everything they experienced was brand new. You know, they were wide-eyed uh, newbies. And so to be with them as they were experiencing this and then, to, you know, certainly with them to take it all away was thrilling to document. And that made it easy to select Avenue Q. Was there ever a moment when you wished... You didn't have to be, first and foremost, a celebratory member of the community and could tell some of the the tougher part of the story. Did that restrict you with all of that goodwill and all of that and knowing, frankly, that when the movie was done, you were going to go back to working in the industry? Was that ever a difficult not for a second. Really? It was really simple. It's not the movie I wanted to make. It's not uh, how I feel about theater. It's not what I want out there about theater. I, I wanted, as a lot of the reviews have said, which has been delightful, they I wanted to write a love letter, you know, filmically to Broadway, an honest one. Yeah. Uh, you Yet know. the season the season was a, was warts and all, the, the William mm-hmm. Goldman book. Yeah. And, and yours, as you say, is more of a celebration. So, so I wondered how it related. And, t- and I got to ask... Any chance that William Goldman has seen it? I hope he has. Uh, he's been in, invited to a lot of screenings, but uh, I don't know. I hope he has. It was incredible to spend time with him talking about Broadway and film. And uh, the book that he wrote in 1968, you know, is, to me, it still holds true today. You just change the numbers, you know, the dollar figures and the names of the people involved. And, it's, it's and some of the names haven't even changed. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Jeff Marks and Bobby Lopez, the guys who wrote the score for Avenue Q. Yes. And them being very new to the Broadway uh, scene. There's a very cute uh, segment in the film of the two of them waiting outside the stage door for the musical Taboo for Boy George to come out so they can get his autograph. <laughs> Well, actually, what happened was we were we were shooting the first day of previews for Taboo, uh-huh. and we we were just happened to be out there, mm-hmm. and Jeff and Bobby were walking by because Avenue Q was playing down the street, right. and Avenue right. Q had been open for a while. They just happened to be walking by, so after everyone in went in for the first performance of Taboo, we started to talk outside of Taboo on camera with Jeff and Bobby, and it was just. Uh, complete serendipity that after the show was running inside, the stage door opened, 
center camera right where we <laughs> happened to be shooting and it wasn't set up that way uh-huh. right in between Jeff and Bobby and out came Boy George for a smoke <laughs> I mean I just couldn't believe that moment it was we were all in shock and it's it's one of my very favorite moments of the entire year and a half of shooting. And you couldn't have pulled it off better had you planned it and rehearsed it. It wouldn't have worked out as well. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) You have in the film a number of people who are not uh, creative people in the theater. You have several film, uh, several theater critics, uh, newspaper critics. You have uh, Nancy Coyne from an advertising agency, Sereno Coyne. Why did you add these people? To give it a different balance, a different perspective? Uh, Well, in wanting to capture a Broadway season, uh, there's so many different people that are part of it. And the the role of the the advertising marketing uh, expert, the uh, publicist, uh, the stagehands, the prop people, the you know, all the different players are, are part of what makes it possible for us to put on the shows. And the critics play an important part. And they uh, they are the Greek chorus for a Broadway season. And so to me, in telling a story about a Broadway season, I could not tell that story without uh, the critics being part of that and columnists being part of it. And so I, I love the idea of there being our Greek chorus as well. It's interesting with hindsight being twenty twenty, you have five or six critics in there giving their opinions throughout the season. And then being proved either right or wrong after the season was over, and now several years later we're seeing the film. Did any of them ever wish they could recall their words, ever call you and say, please don't use that, that dumb thing uh, I said? They, you know, first of all, <laughs> that they went out and, and put themselves out there like that. I, I really am grateful to them. That was generous of them to, to, to see how they think and how their thoughts really evolved and changed in some mm-hmm. cases. It was, it was very generous of them. Um, nobody ever said don't use something I said uh, at all. From the screenings you've had here in New York and around the country, uh, what has been the reaction of theater professionals to your to your film? Uh, I am I am ecstatic that it's been incredibly warm and supportive and uh, um, and enthusiastic, and uh, I'm also thrilled in going around the country with the film, uh, discovering you know particularly as a as a Broadway producer that there are people all around the country that are so passionate about Broadway and know so much about what's going on in our community and, and every detail about who's what shows are opening and what's coming in. Uh, I, I was, I've been kind of revitalized uh, by, by the energy out there about Broadway. It's great. But it's interesting that you say that because you you spoke about wanting the film to reach beyond the diehards. Mm-hmm. Have do you feel that it has managed to do that? And have you heard from people who were not the real fans of Broadway who who gotten exposed to the film? Yes, uh, we've made a very serious effort to reach out uh, outside the theater community in each of the c- cities that we were in to uh, excite people about coming to see uh, a film that, because it's a good film, I hope. (laughs) And um, the response has been rock solid, and and particularly in some cities where we really have had the chance to run for a long time, and the word of mouth has gotten out there, and people have come back and brought back people that have nothing to do with theater. Los Angeles, we ran for uh, six weeks, and the crowds that we were getting towards the end had nothing to do with theater, and that was really, really exciting 
to see because that's really what uh, we were about in the very beginning. Well, even if a viewer doesn't know an awful lot about theater, the film is basically a drama because it goes from a beginning to an ending and there's yes. a lot of drama along the way. And even if you don't know who ultimately wins the Tony Award as the best musical, there's still the build-up toward it and all the uh, everything that's been going on for a whole year. So in, in that sense, I think it's, it's very interesting even for non-theater viewers to watch. I Actually, one of the most interesting conversations that I had with, was when I was at a talk back in Boston. Uh-huh. And uh, somebody who's... Uh, 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 an executive at the MIT Media Lab <laughs> was was brought to the film, and he had uh, was not a theater goer and left uh, very clearly with the comments he made at that talkback, uh, wanting to go see everything and and wanting to uh, come down to New York and go see Broadway and. It was uh, just somebody who was uh, asked to join a group of people going, and he didn't even know what he was going to say. And so that, that was great. We've been talking for about 20 minutes about the film. We've only mentioned the name once at the beginning. It's <laughs> called Show Business. I can see a lot of our listeners saying, would you please tell me the title of that, that film again? I want to look for it, Show Business. It's coming out on DVD in October, is it? Uh, yes, we'll have uh, two DVDs. The first DVD uh, will be out in October, and we'll focus primarily on outtakes, uh, scenes that didn't uh, make it into the final film, primarily from the four shows we focus on, uh, as well as some, some wonderful moments from the Tony Awards. And it'll include the film itself. And the which, film itself. Right, okay. and, uh, and it will also include uh, uh, quite a few uh, interviews uh, that either I did or Alan did with a lot of luminaries from that season, from uh, Brian Dennehy and uh, Patrick Stewart and John Lithgow and Donna Murphy and uh, uh, Antonio Banderas and and, and uh, many others, uh, and also a, a, a tribute section to Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. Uh, and then the DVD that will be released later on will give us an opportunity to celebrate the rest of the season and we'll be able also to focus on um, you know, some of the, the great creative geniuses behind the curtain uh, from a lot of the other shows, the production designers and costume designers and so on from from some of the great shows that season. Well, after all this talking about the film and your passion and your love of the industry and your connections, let's let's talk a little more about you and what brought you to this film. You grew up in California. Bio says that you always wanted to be a Broadway producer, but you started working in film. <laughs> or you actually started working corporately, and then you moved into film. So, so tell us how you got to Broadway yourself. Well, I was so fortunate because I grew up in L.A. Uh, with parents that loved theater, had nothing to do with it, had nothing to do with the entertainment industry at all, mm-hmm. but took me to everything. You know, I was at... Uh, Grew up at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion and uh, went to UCLA's Royce Hall every weekend and puppet theater and everything you can imagine. So I grew up loving theater, and it was just part of my life. And uh, I, I just had to be part of it. And I, But I also realized at a very early age I had no talent whatsoever to be on stage. And uh, it was clear. There was no maybe. There was no chance. So uh, it gave me the opportunity very early on to really start thinking about how this sh- how these shows came together and what was going on behind the curtain and how did they make that costume change so quickly and, and how long has this show been in the works before it came here? All sorts of things. And I also had the opportunity once <clears throat> when I was 10 to hear... Um, uh, the um, the the creators of uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, 
um, the Sherman brothers. The Sherman brothers. There we go. Thank you. Um, speak, and uh, I remember being fascinated by their creative process. And I, I was ten, and so you know, from that early age, just wanting to be part of Broadway, but behind the curtain and helping to bring these great shows to life. Um, and the reason it took a while to, you know, I was in film and in other things for quite a while is because I grew up in L.A. and I had never even been to New York for a long time and didn't know anybody at all in the Broadway community. And it took a while to work my way in. Well, explain what you did in film and then how you transitioned that. And, and, and also, where did you go to school? What did you study before you got into film? Uh, <clears throat> sure. I was... Um, uh, economics, theater, double major, and I did all sorts of special work in the economics of theater. Mm. Uh, and uh, went, uh, did some graduate work, and uh, actually at Harvard in the um, at the Kennedy School of Government. But I was able to focus there on public policy and public policy in the arts. Um, so it was kind of surrounding all of these things. I still didn't know anybody on Broadway, and uh, had the opportunity. Um, to meet uh, producer Jim Friedberg. Uh, this was my first intro to the theater community. Um, and he was working on several projects, and I was working on many projects at that time in film, and he was interested in getting involved in film. And I had been desperate my whole life to get involved in Broadway. And so it was, it was the opportunity I had to um, take a leap. And one of the projects he was working on um, was the very early stages of Full Moon with Bill Irwin and David Shiner. And, oh, my gosh, you know, this this it was a complete dream come true to be able to join him as a producer on that project and, and really learn the art of producing. Um, and, and then after that, education-wise, as I was started to produce more, I went to the Yale School of Drama um, and uh, worked for a year with them as a visiting scholar in theater. And so continued to to educate myself on the history and and uh, all the different aspects of theater. But you were working in film before you really got involved in theater. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I had uh, <laughs> I had uh, uh, actually started out as an investment banker in Morgan Stanley and M and A uh, because I wanted to get a foundation in business and finance, and then ended up um, moving to. Uh, started out in independent film and uh, ended up running production for a company called Vestron. And one of our very first movies that I was able to supervise was uh, Dirty Dancing, uh, which was a wonderful <laughs> way to get your feet wet in the film business uh, and learned so much and, and then ended up uh, running a division for Disney, making all the theme park movies around the world, so developed an expertise in special effects filmmaking and worked closely with uh, Jim Henson and the Muppets and have a very eclectic background. <laughs> but it's all very theatrical. You know, mm -hmm. it all is about, uh, you know, in, in that aspect of it was live entertainment. <coughs> and uh, uh, and we incorporated a lot of live elements in the 3D movie we created for, for Disney. And, and so it just took a while kind of come staying in the film business but finding my way into Broadway mm -hmm. and then with this film, bringing the two worlds that I love so much together. So what surprised you coming from the film business, producing in film to producing in theater? What's what's the difference between those two animals? Well, the live audience, 
you know, uh, it's... But that's, that's for the product, mm-hmm. the process of working in it as sure. a producer. Uh, the, the, it's very similar, and, and there's so much overlap. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for me, whether it's film or theater... Uh, or television, it's all about being passionate about what you're doing. And I'd say one of the differences is that in theater, um, I think the the amount of passion is <laughs> is even greater because you you know you have to deeply believe because the risk is so much higher when you're producing theater. You know, unless you have a major company behind you, you know, it's really from scratch and it's every aspect of management. You don't have, you know, a studio that has a division taking care of different things for you. You really are handholding a project from the get-go all the way through every little moving part of it uh, and and putting it together in film. Um, it, you know, particularly if, if you're working with a studio, uh, it's the risk is less. You also, as a producer, are dealing in a situation with film where you know you're going to have a DVD, you're going to have a TV run, you're going to have all these ancillary opportunities that can help you uh, make your money back, may, maybe make a profit. In theater, the risk is so much greater, really, because you have a live show that you could be working on for five years, and it could close on opening night, and that's it. You know, it's gone. It's it's so much more precious and ephemeral and fleeting, and and uh, and I think that informs very much the how you are, you know, just you, your your whole being goes into producing theater, um, and you also have a one of the big differences I find, and what excites me about live theater is that when you produce theater. You know, the show opens and that it continues to live on, hopefully, and on and on, hopefully, <laughs> for a very long time. In theater, you've had the film in the can and, you know, it's, it's uh, edited and uh, it might sit around for a while. And then it's released. You're probably working on another movie by then. You're not, you know, and, and it's being handled by distributors. You're not as intimate with the, the end product. It's... it's um, Kind of has a life of its own, and you've, you're are, you're you're passionate and working deeply on something entirely different. So it's that live aspect, you know, and and that very much affects, I think, the the whole process. Well, in film, once the film is done, the producer's expense is over. There's still the expense for distribution and for publicity and all that, but the cre- the creative expense is done with the film. Whereas in the case of a show, it's an ongoing expense because the show keeps running. And at some point, you hope to at least break even and start getting your investment back. Is there any analogy between doing a film versus doing a show when, when you look at that, that aspect of it? Sure. You know, it becomes a different business. You uh-huh. know, it, it, it usually with the film, you're working with a distributor there handling most of the most of the uh, the aspects of, of rolling it out and and the marketing of it and uh, in the case of, of show business the road to Broadway I we have the best distributors on the planet with Regent releasing and liberation entertainment and it's a real collaboration but I think typically you know you your movies been handed off mm-hmm. and somebody else is really managing its life and in theater um, when you are producing something and you know, 
you are living it and breathing it uh, forever. You know, mm-hmm. it you, you don't let go of it. And you know, for Legally Blonde right now, we're we're deep into figuring out the tour. We're figuring out uh, the you know European tour. We're every day we're dealing with marketing issues on the show. It's it it is a living, breathing thing that. Uh, that you continue to be intimately involved in for its entire life. Well, you mentioned Legally Blonde. What are the challenges of producing a Broadway show that derives from a movie like Legally Blonde or or a Thoroughly Modern Millie, for that matter, which you also produced? Um, what are the challenges both creatively and behind the scenes dealing with the rights holders to the film and all that, and then maybe changing it a bit from what the film was? Well, it's very important that you have, uh, you know, partners and with your, uh, as far as the rights holders are concerned, they're really supportive of the vision and where you want to take it. And we, we have great partners with, uh, Legally Blonde <clears throat> with MGM, and they were very excited about where our creative team, Jerry Mitchell, Larry O'Keefe, Nell Benjamin, Heather Hawk, wanted to take the show, uh, and, you know, have helped us and supported us uh, all along. But you do have the challenge with a legally, a show like Legally Blonde when every, you know, that's so known and it's uh, very familiar to so many people. We wanted very much to uh, to follow the basic storyline, but we wanted to elevate it. We wanted to make it even more and uh, so that we wouldn't disappoint those who had favorite scenes and moments in the show, uh, but that would walk away thinking, wow, you know, I like that even better <laughs> than the movie. Um, it, it's an advantage in that you have a pre-promoted name and that, in this case, a lot of people already loved. Um, but it also is a disadvantage because people think, oh, I've seen it. I don't need to see it again. But when you think about it, it's a movie. It's not a musical. There is no wall-to-wall music. There is no dancing. You know, it's a completely different thing. It's It uh, celebrates this great character and her adventure, but it really is something entirely different. So um, you you have a whole different set of challenges with, with uh, an adaptation than you do with something you're starting. So as track. the producer of shows like Legally Blonde and Thoroughly Modern Millie. What, what were your responsibilities? What, was, what did you bring to the party in terms of getting that, that show on stage? Well, I have um, three partners, uh-huh. uh, lead producing partners on the show, Fox Theatricals and, and Hal Luftig, and we've worked closely together on many different shows. Uh, and we have been uh, bring, working to bring the show to life for over five years and have uh, everything from... Uh, identifying the creative team uh, and supporting them as they evolve the project from first word on the page and first note on the piano uh, all the way through every single day, a few moments ago. <laughs> uh, and uh, so it's, it um, uh, is, as I said earlier, it's just every moving part of trying to put that show together. And be pulling all the great people that need to be involved, whether it's the publicist or the marketing people or the in, in the world we're living in now, the internet expert, you know, all the different people that are going to help support uh, the show. Not to mention, you know, the whole creative team, the beyond uh, the, the you know costume designer and the set designer and the the company manager, everybody that's involved and and putting together the team that will. Uh, do the best job possible on the show. And, of course, finding a theater for it. Definitely. (laughs) Without a theater, it it can't get too far. Yes, that's very, very important. And the out-of-town run and figuring that out. 
um, and uh, and then letting the world know that it that we're here. The cliched question to ask a writer is always, where do you get your ideas? So let's ask the cliched version of that for a producer, which is, where do you get your projects? How do you, how do you come to them? Have these been things that you mentioned your partners? Some people have said, we're working on this. Will you join us? Are these things that you've originated? And are you out there looking to originate projects? Every project I've been involved in, theater and film, has had a unique origin. Uh, in the case of Legally Blonde, uh, it was Hal Luftig's idea. To uh, He just was excited about uh, Elle Woods and, and uh, this great character and felt that it really was a very uh, uh, adaptable property. And we were working with him at the time on, on Millie and uh, all agreed and we dove in with him. But it was his idea originally. Um, and other projects, uh, you know, you, you so often uh, projects come from relationships and a, a writer you've worked with before. I always wanted to work with David Henry Wong, and so when he was doing Golden Child, that was an exciting opportunity. Um, uh, Full Moon, uh, you know, it was uh, it came about as I said because I it was f- first opportunity to get involved in in theater and. Uh, <laughs> dream performers. Um, and in film uh, and theater, uh, I'm working really hard to evolve projects from scratch, you know, and that's that's really exciting. And uh, um, and I'm well on my way on, on several projects in both realms, and uh, it's really thrilling. Are there projects where you have to decide this is for the theater, this is for film, because they could go either way? Or is it pretty clear up front what, wh- where something belongs? Well, typically it's very clear, you know, if I'm working on a theater project. But actually uh, there's a documentary that uh, I'm shooting right now that I'm convinced would be a spectacular Broadway show. So, so you're going to option the rights <laughs> from yourself? <laughs> I'm going to have a conversation with myself and see if I can work out something because I just think it would be an incredible theater project. So, uh, you know, there's there's definitely Can you crossover. tell us about it? I mean, you're currently shooting it or are you keeping it a secret? <laughs> uh, sure. Uh the um, <laughs> uh, I'm in production on a, a new documentary feature that has nothing to do with theater per se, but it is about uh, dancing. Uh, I've been following a this new brand new senior dance team at uh, the New Jersey Nets. Um, they are in their 60s and 70s and 80s, and they auditioned and they trained and they appeared as a hip hopping dance squad this season center court at the Meadowlands for the New Jersey Nets. And their story, uh, you know, is just fascinating. And, it, and it, I think it would just be a fantastic Broadway show. And, uh, you know, great characters. And it also, I think, shatters perceptions on what it means to age. And uh, I'm, I'm loving the, the, the making of the film so much. And I can't wait to dive into uh, the uh, adaptation. We had made very, very fleeting mention to uh, Camp Broadway. You're one of the uh, co-founders of that. Yes. What is Camp Broadway? What's what's it all about? Ah, Camp Broadway is so important to me. It uh, is a a camp that uh, I founded with Susan Lee uh, roughly 12 years ago that is all about inspiring kids to love the arts. It's not about turning kids into the next 
uh, Donna Murphy. Um, so that would be lovely. It really is to expose them to theater, to behind the curtain, Broadway, get them excited about um, all that goes into putting on a show. And it's now national and exploring opportunities to go international. And uh, uh, it, it the idea at the very beginning was basically for Broadway to give back. And so uh, the teaching team, the uh, involvement of Broadway shows in the camp, you know, it's it's very much by the Broadway community for these kids. Well, many of our listeners are kids and, you know, young adults, and many are parents of, of kids. How do they find out about Camp Broadway? Is they, there a website? They should go to the website, absolutely, www.campbroadway.com. Say that one more time slowly. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> www.campbroadway.com. And how do they then uh, attend it? they fill out an application online? Or, or Yeah, the applications are online. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and there are lots of different programs and also some programs for adults now. And is there a website for show business if they want to find out more about the DVD? Do you have a website for that? Definitely. It's www.showbusinessthemovie.com. And for those who didn't copy it down so they can memorize it one more time www.showbusinessthemovie.com. Well, what do you want to do next? <laughs> you've, you've been an investment banker. You've done films. You've done documentaries. You've done uh, shows. Any burning desires to do something different? Uh, I, w- I want to keep producing Broadway shows, plays, mm-hmm. musicals, revivals. I, I just want to keep uh, uh, involvement in, in theater, behind the curtain, in, in other creative ways that I'm some ideas that are brewing. And uh, and I also love uh, storytelling and film, so I, I will keep those two paths going simultaneously. Terrific. Well, Dory, thanks so much for being with us today on Downstage Center. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Dory. For the American Theater Wing, I'm Howard Sherman, reminding our listeners that these programs and all of the educational and media work of the American Theater Wing is available online, on demand, for free, from our website, www.americantheaterwing.org. And for XM Satellite Radio, I'm John Von Susten for Downstage Center. That is a wrap, and thank you. The American Theater Wing encourages all of our podcast fans to share our programs with friends and colleagues, but we remind you that any commercial distribution, commercial use of our programs, or program modification is prohibited without our express permission. We appreciate your cooperation and invite you to contact us with any questions. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcasts of Downstage Center, help us in our efforts to share the best in theater with listeners everywhere by writing a review for iTunes or for your favorite podcast directory. Thanks so much.